Did you ever think you were made it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. All right, home team, episode number 247. A lot of things has happened the last 24 hours, even the last 12 hours. A lot of uh, new things uh, formulating to give an update on what's going on with the market, the economy. Uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, Sachs says they're no longer expecting the Fed to, uh, to hike rates in March. That's a CNBC story. Bloomberg came out with another story saying Fed's battle plan for inflation shredded by financial turmoil. Jeffrey Gunlack, who's been on Valuetainment before with Daniel DeMartino Booth, says Fed will hike funds next week to save credibility. Will have to. Interesting. Uh, Musk is building a tiny village for his workers. South Korean government proposes increase in work week to 69 hours from 52 hours. I'm sure California wow. lost their mind. <laughs> remote wo- remote working uh, is uh, killing uh, Florida as a retirement paradise. That is an insider story. I have a video of uh, President Trump uh, saying a few words about Ron DeSantis and Florida, which I, I found interesting. Mm. Uh, Ron DeSantis uh, posed with a handmade snowfla- snowflake. It had the word fascist written all over it. Again, insider story. Bunch of different things. Uh, but first things first, Tom, last uh, 24 hours with all this Silicon Valley Bank debacle that everybody's talking about, what's new? What's been building up? What are you seeing? Well, uh, well good morning. Um, I think everybody heard there was a soft landing because the federal government has this facility in place to protect the depositors. What was really interesting is the stories came out that showed what unfolded behind the scenes. And apparently, um, you know, you talked about it yesterday, you know, uh, Jamie Dimon, who's a banker and a tough entrepreneur, and you look underneath the covers, his folks were rumored to have been working all-nighters on um, uh, Thursday to Friday, Friday to Saturday. And a Bloomberg story this morning came out bright and early with the European markets. Apparently, J.P. Morgan got a couple billion dollars of new deposits as a result of this, uh, reaching out saying, hey, you need a bank. J.P. Morgan's here to help you. And it's 3 a.m. You're up. We're up. We got you covered. And so that happened. And then the big four banks apparently circled around like uh, sharks on a feeding frenzy were picking up scraps. It was said that both Citi and B of A were in there, but not nearly at the level that J.P. Morgan was. And then the other thing that came out this morning, uh, now that the Fed has a little breathing room, remember they were trying to get the sale done by Sunday so that before the European markets opened, they could say, everything's cool. We got uh, SVB was sold to somebody. That was the plan. Now they get a little breathing space. And apparently BlackRock and Apollo have both walked into the buffet table and said, you know what? Um, I'd like the loan book. So I think it works out better for everybody if a bank by SVB, but you've got big private equity uh, firms coming up there now saying, hey, um, you know what? We're interested in the loan book. And what this points out, PBD, is this, as we hope, means we don't have to use any of that federal money that Janet Yellen was talking about. That What works out is that the bank is sold and the depositors are made hold on those sales so that it I think that's the best for the economy and best for the bank. Let me, let me ask. That's a, what's been happening. So let me ask a question here, Tom. So if a, a, a lot of the conversation is what do we learn from 2008, right, to not do the same or 
to do better, right? So if if right now a 2008 were to happen, would the feds have bailed out AIG? Now, the numbers now are so big, I think they would have had to at the end of the day or been forced to. But, you know, I don't know. After printing $1.4 trillion and seeing what that did to the economy and inflation of assets, I think it would have been hard. I think it would have been much harder but a lot of political pressure would have been on it. We got to do this. And TARP 7 would have had to have been implemented. Um, but I think it would have been a really tough call because especially with what all this money we just printed and the inflation we caused. So, so if, they would have, if they would have taken the same approach as they're taking with Silicon Valley Bank in 08, that's what I want to know. What do you think would have happened? So AIG is going out of business. We're not going to bail them out. Uh, you know, yesterday I put the four economic, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I love that, by the, the way. The, the freedom, freedom to, buy, to buy, freedom to sell, freedom to try, freedom to fail. Yeah, and, and I posted that. A guy came up who knew I sold a lot of AIG. We were the number one IUL writer at AIG for many years. And he says, would you have said the same thing if AIG was, uh, uh, you know, in the situation? Would you have bailed out AIG? I said, no. The previous CEO made bad decisions. Uh, forcing the former CEO of MetLife to come out of retirement, who had only three years left to live, to drive the company. Bob Ben Moshe's leadership is what saved AIG. But this is the part about capitalism. And today, would they have left AIG to go belly up and had other people come and acquire this business? They have, I'll buy this business. I'll buy that business. I'll buy the PNC business. I'll buy your however many planes that AIG had. You think that would have happened today? Uh, I think that's probably the way you would have had to do it today. And we have to remember there's a key difference between 08 and what happened yesterday. Yesterday, who got protected? The depositors. Mm -hmm. And they openly said the shareholders and most of the bondholders, you're screwed. When I say most of the bondholders, the most senior bondholders, there may be some assets to give them. But the bottom level bondholders and all the shareholders, you are wiped out. Back then, remember, Lehman and Bear went down, but the rest of the banks were saved. Yep. Last time, they saved the banks. This time, they've saved the depositors. Last time, they saved the auto industry, the companies, and only Alan Mulally went in front of Congress and said, we'll take a loan, but we don't want a grant. Ford will be fine. Remember, it was the companies that were saved last time. Depositors were saved this Th time. That's yeah. good. So we're learning. We're learning what not to do. And by the way, this, I think that's positive. The, this, the, 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 the comment about the fact that taxpayers are not going to pay this, that's bullshit. I mean, they're, they're, we're still paying for that. There's no question about that. Uh, can you, while, I'm, while you're getting the video prepared, Adam, you have some thoughts. Go ahead. But per, uh, go to my Twitter account with the video. But go ahead, Adam. Yeah, I was just, just going to bring up the, the Lehman Brothers and the, the Bear Stearns example because when I entered the financial industry, it was 06. I got into the life insurance, life settlement game. And I knew nothing about nothing. I was a nightlife guy and I got, you know, into this new career. But we were doing business with Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns at that time. And I had a buddy that worked for Lehman. And it was so interesting how the conversations were going where it's like we're working on these deals and putting together, they're putting together a life settlement fund mm -hmm. and all that. And all of a sudden he's like, yep, I think we're going to be holding off for a while. Yep, I don't know if I have a job anymore. Yep, I just got fired. Yep, my bank closed. And to see, we talked about picking winners and losers and this whole, the whole concept, and this is where I wanted to kind of revisit what you said, and I love the fact that you kind of just simplify what capitalism stands for, the freedom to, to buy, to sell, to try, to fail. And I think, it's, I think it's incumbent to understand the failure part is part of the process. And the whole, you know how they say in the government, we don't want the government picking winners and losers. 
And, you know, Chamath came out, right, um, during COVID when he, and this was after like the stock buybacks mm-hmm. that were happening, mm-hmm. all that, and in 19 and all that, after um, that whole situation, he goes, let them fail. Let the airlines fail. So the, there needs to be ramifications for poor decisions. So how do they distinguish, like how did they distinguish to let AIG, to, to allow them to stay, but Lehman and Bear Stearns, like who's picking these situations? At the end of the day, this whole too big to fail concept, it's sort of the antithesis of what capitalism is, right? Like if you screw up, you make poor decisions. Like if an individual does this and they spend all their money, they max out credit card debt, they they go on vacation when they should be just saving money and they lose their job and they fail, then it's kind of expected. But when companies do that, why should they receive these bailouts? Hey, Pat, and I'm honestly, I'm not setting up a question here. I'm trying to remember and I don't remember. Remember the SIFI test, S-I-F-I, and we had some life insurance carriers that didn't want that designation because it came with a lot of government kind of being in your knickers. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm trying to remember, was it the gentleman we know at, um, at AIG who has since retired who said that when you get named strategically, was it strategically important financial institution, SIFI, that as soon as you Sif- were named that, yeah, systematically important financial institution, that it was actually a bad thing. So now the government was on your back. You have to have, by the way, you have to have double reserves there. Hey, your loan, loan balance is yeah. a tenth of a yeah. point too high. And suddenly it's like, <clears throat> wait a minute, I'm no longer, I'm not being reckless. I'm no longer even running my business. I got this, this uh, overlord pushing me. But- can I ask you a question on that? So this, the, the overlord concept. So the whole concept of regulation, over-regulation, under-regulation. You know, Trump came out and said you know, so these, these uh, medium-sized uh, local banks, regional banks, they're going to bump them up to what? 50 million to 250 million? Or 50 billion? Billion. 50 billion yeah. up to 250 billion yeah. to mm-hmm. kind of let the regulation, uh, less regulation do what it do. Where does this kind of fall into the the SIFI thing? So is that well, read is the last federal? Line. Yeah, that's what I was saying. The U.S. federal regulators determine would pose a serious risk to the economy if it were to collapse. So this is the SIFI thing. So sir, so who's determining? Yeah. The, so so why don't you type in SIFI list? Mm-hmm. Type in SIFI list. SIFI list. Yeah. There you go. Twenty twenty two. Okay. There you go. So uh, Allianz, AIG, Agon was yeah, on there. Yeah. Agon. Uh, where was that list? Uh, go back. You go back. There's got to be an easier way. Yeah. There you go. Let's just read some of those right there. Allianz, Allianz AIG, Agon, two out of the three. As a matter of fact, three out of three we've done business, but Aviva, Aviva Act, you've done business with all of them. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. So, so massive so. carriers, not even necessarily financial institutions, right? Yep. Yeah, but, but if you think about it, how often do you hear life insurance companies going out of business? You don't. No. You hear banks going out of business. Why is that? Because- yes. The bank's dollar to reserve ratio, you know, whatever they lend out, isn't as high uh, as the life insurance. Life insurance companies, like at one point, do you remember you and I flew out to Armonk with our old uh, French uh, friend Amour? And uh, we went to right across the street from uh, uh, IBM, and we had a meeting with credit uh, with Swiss Re, right? Yep. And I was just going to bring up the reinsurance situation yeah, that's with Swiss we, Re, well, exactly. This small, humble building what year without was any this? artwork. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
you walk in, there's like multi-million dollar art That's in crazy. the lobby. Please but, tell me but, this was the trip that Tom and Amor roomed together. No, no, that was way before. But <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I had recovered. Yeah, so, so, uh, so we had a friend who liked to walk around uh, uh, naked. And I, I try to make the intro of Tom and him. I said, listen, I think you guys got to room up to get closer to C-Suites. And they did. And the next day I said, how was, how was it? He says, well, listen, I had no clue this guy likes to walk. I, well, now you guys know each other. Anyways, but when we went there, if you remember this conversation, we wanted to start an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we wanted to see, is it better for us to go out there and compete with a, as a carrier and what that responsibility was, how much of the risk that we have to take, et cetera, et cetera. Versus just selling it instead of you know running an insurance company. It's an FMO. Let me tell you, it is practically impossible to start your own insurance company today with a hundred percent of you know you you the the dollar amount the savings you need to have. It, it's the liability, the responsibility of it was massive. So I understand what they're doing from the insurance side. I actually like it because this is why you don't see. That many insurance companies going out of business. But you know, you're talking about all this stuff with FDIC. Can you pull up the tweet, uh, the video I just posted? This is the president of Minneapolis Bank, uh, Federal Reserve. Uh, 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 listen to what he says to 60 Minutes. This is March of 2020. Think about the time. March of 2020, COVID is just getting started. Look what he says here. So we're about to have the COVID yes. market spike down. Watch this. To the person who is about to grab their car keys and go to the ATM and take out $3,000, you say what? You don't need to. Your ATM is safe. Your banks are safe. There's enough cash in the financial system, and there is an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. We will do whatever we need to do to make sure that there's enough cash in the banking system. Okay. Infinite. Infinite. So that's exactly the problem. The problem is infinite. How? Where does that money come from? So you know, you know how sometimes people, you know, when you look at O.J. Simpson, and what do people say? You remember when O.J. was whatever the year was, 93, 94, now I don't remember the year, but something like that, right? The year with the trial? With the trial, yeah. yeah. Could have been 92. It was uh yeah, 93, I want to say okay. 94. So yeah. what what was the thought? Oh, well, you know what? He's not gonna go to jail. You know he's not gonna because celebrities never they get away with everything. What happened? This guy's walking around and 99% of people, and I don't even want to say 99%, majority of people you talk to, there's a survey. Did he kill? The answer is what? Yes. And he's free. The, the one question he doesn't like to answer, you know what the question is when people ask him? They, they try to be sarcastic with him. Did you find the killer? You said you were going <laughs> to walk yeah. around and killer. search. We got to find, find that guy, killer. guys. How do you feel about he's the killer? He's still out there. Yeah. We got to find this and guy. And you'll see, the first thing he does is he moves his eyes. He doesn't look in. He says, look, I really don't want to talk about that. Yeah, because you're in the room. Right. Okay. So unless unless uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is interviewing him, then it gets yeah, real fun. Yeah. So so the, the frustration with that, the frustration with celebrities getting away with things that they do, is the same frustration with companies that get away with anything because then there is no discipline and repercussion. It's necessary to have repercussion and a price for making bad mistakes. There is nothing wrong with it. I failed a lot. Here's the part. You know what's the unique thing about failing? Very simple. A, a philosopher many years ago said this. It sucks. Okay? <laughs> th- th- there is no way to put it. It sucks. It's embarrassing. It could lead to a divorce. It could lead to mental anguish, emotional heartache. It can go through it, it challenging times. You're going to go through it. Nothing about it is going to feel good. Trust me. Think about it this way. What happens in boxing when two people fight? And one gets knocked out, 
publicly humiliated in front of tens of millions of people. Think about the text messages. Think about how many exes celebrate that loss. Think about how many friends from high school are like, man, I'm so glad he got his ass whooped. That felt great. Think about how it felt for Wilder to lose to Tyson Fury three times, back to back to back, and he was called the bomber. Like, Think about how it felt when Tyson lost to, you know, Buster Douglas. Nobody thought that was going to happen. Every one of everybody's going to go through it. There's enough. When Foreman lost to Ali, he went into depression for a couple of years. He didn't even want to show his face because nobody believed the fact that he lost mm. to Ali. That was not supposed to happen. It's supposed to hurt, and it also hurts in business. There was a period in my career where I went through really tough times emotionally running a company. Here's here's the thing about the seasons like that. It's not supposed to feel good, you know. You're supposed you're gonna be lonely. You're you're gonna try to like last night a weird night last night. I I slept on the floor last night. One of our kids wasn't doing too well. He was throwing up all night. It just wasn't a good situation. I'm on one hour of sleep today. You know who cares? Nobody. <laughs> Trust me, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I still have to come and do my job today. Yep. No one cares. No one in the audience cares. Not saying that you're not sympathetic, but it's not your problem. It's my problem, okay? I still have to come in and do this. I got to Zoom right after this, and I got a bunch of... Today's a long day for me. I got a lot of stuff that's going on here today. No one cares. It's days like this that you got to show up even though nothing is going your way. So the fact that the Silicon Valley, the shareholders, are paying a price for it, it hurts. Mm -hmm. But it happens in business. The fact that some of the bondholders are not getting the money back it hurts, but that's part of business. Can I say one thing about the the failure part? Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think failure is a part of life. And uh, I would argue that I think any one of us would, would say that sometimes failure is the best thing that can possibly happen to you because it it sort of makes you who you are. So whether it's been sports for me, I remember being a great athlete and then getting moved up to varsity and then been put on the bench. Oh shit, I got to improve. When I did stand up comedy, I was always a funny dude. I got booed off stage. Talk about like tomatoes to the face. It's like, oh my God, I actually have to get better at this. Relationships. We've all had relationships that we failed at, but you learn from these situations. I used to do cold calls for a living for years and getting hung up on and hung up on and hung up on. But that's what makes you stronger. And you, you bring up the, the the George Foreman situation. It's funny to see the, the end of that narrative. It's like he ended up becoming a multi-multi-millionaire with the Foreman grill because he got back in the <laughs> ring and he started kicking some ass again. And I think that's what everyone needs to understand is that failure is going to come with the territory. If you want to be great at anything, you're going to fail. But what's the old saying? You know, fall 10 times, get up 11. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, look, I got two you videos. You can retire or you can get up. Mm -hmm. Yep. I got, I got a couple of videos I want to show you, and I got a book here I want to show you, which I saw this. I ordered this. My assistant came in saying, someone's playing a prank on you, uh, and they sent you this book. I said, no, I bought this book, so I just kind of wanted to show it today because, Tom, don't look at it. I want to see what the mm -hmm. reaction is going to be to this book. I'm getting a But let me, let me first go to uh, uh, our uh, uh, sponsor here, Aura. Quick shout-out to them. Uh, at this point of the game, look, if, if uh, you're not protecting yourself, everything in life, there's offense, there's defense. You make investments to make money. You go out there in the sales business to make money. You start a business to make money. You 
take courses to improve. You do all of that stuff to win and advance that's offense. Defense, you buy auto insurance. You buy life insurance. You buy, you know, uh, uh, all these different types of insurances. This is one of those insurance policies that you need to have. All-in-one digital safety for the whole family. Protect from identity theft, fraud, and online threats. You can go on there with Aura and find out how many times your password uh, are being used on the dark web. Just go out there and test it. We've done this many times. We've talked about this many times. We have people that have 30 times, 40 times their password. And they're like, you got to be kidding me. My password's out there. Yep, they have access to it. So this is another form of protecting yourself. If you haven't yet, it's free 14 days, up to 42% of savings. Protect you and yourself from America's fastest growing crime. Try Aura free for two weeks and see if any of your or your family's personal information has been compromised, start your 14-day trial at Aura.com forward slash PBD. Once again, Aura.com forward slash PBD. The link will be below for you to go to. Okay, this book, the other day, um, you know, I like books for kids, and there's a lot of different kinds of books. And then this book pops up, and I said, this has to be a joke. No, it's a real book. What's the title of the book? This is the title of the book. If you can oh, zoom into the this gay book. Are you serious? No, right. if you can zoom in, by the way. Rob, you're laughing. And, uh-huh. I, you know, part of it could be funny. The, the website is called queerbooks.com, okay? And this is a real book. So I bought it. I'm like, okay, let me take a look at this. The Gay BCs. Let's go through it together. A, uh, B, oh, sorry about that. Well, well t- let's take a look. So here's what, A. A is for, is that ally, a friend who is there to stand up for you with strength, love, and care. I like that. Yeah. Uh, B is for buy. Oh. You can shout it out loud. I like boys and girls, and that makes me proud. What ages is this for? Does it say at the what, beginning what of the book? What do you mean what ages? is like you're not reading this book. at 18 years old. This is a kid's book. This this has got to be the a, author is M L Webb. Who I is actually this? Actually, want to go through this to see on Let, Amazon. It says the grade level is preschool through third grade. Yeah, this is exactly where so I was going with this. Pre- okay, the don't say gay bill specifically right. targets C, people C, third grade and, and under. Do not talk about so, that. So basically, congressman basically. C is for coming out. You're ready to share what you feel deep inside. It's okay to be scared. Mm-hmm. D is for drag. You can yep. strut. and By the way, this is not a joke. This is a book. You can strut and dance in clothes that you have, dresses, heels, and pants. E is for equality. We're on the same team. We all have the right to love, hope, and dream. F is for family, related or found. They'll stick to by your side, ups and down. Good. G is for gay. It's a word that implies that you're a girl who likes girls or a guy who likes guys. H is for hope. Dream up. A life you love, sky's the limit. And by the way, intersex is I. J is for joy. Key is for kiki. Uh, uh, L is for lesbian. M is for mountain. Uh, N is for non-binary. O is for orientation. P is for pan. Q is for, obviously, queer. R is for respect. S is for sachet. 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 That goes with drag. Shout out to RuPaul there. T is for trans. It's a brave step to take to live as the gender you know. Uh, U is for unique. V is for Vogue. W is for wonder. X is for, you can write it down when you have M or from his pronoun. U is for you. Uh, Y is for you. Z is zest. That's a book. Okay. The gay BCs. Okay. So should they have the right to sell this book? The answer is what? Of course. Yes. Of course you should have the right to sell this book. The price of free speech is free speech. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's nothing wrong with By selling. By the way, this came out in 2019. This is before the, the, the serious yeah, this, trans this, culture wars really, really 
were highlighted. But now, but now here's the part. You, 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 when they say nobody is grooming, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the part when you see stuff like this. As a parent, this stuff is, you know, getting into schools. This stuff is getting into kids reading this. What does a five-year-old think about when they read something like this? The eight, eight-year-old, a 10-year-old. Uh, if, if, if you, like, if, if I were to tell you right now as a kid, what phrase do you remember your mother or your father telling you that you believe till today? Positive. What phrase? What did your mom or dad tell you that till today you remember? My mom would always tell me you can be anything you want to be just as long as you give it your best. Okay. Tom? My parents were big on um, honesty. Okay. Always tell me the truth. Even if you've done something, tell me the truth. How many, how many times did they say that to you? How many times did they say it that was, to you? It was constant. It was, it was constant. My brother and I were only about uh, less than two years apart. We would get into mischief. Things would happen. I remember six, seven years old, we'd break something. And so it was always, or somebody gets hurt, somebody's crying. And it's like, tell us the truth. Tell mm-hmm. me the truth. And I can remember the punishment was always slightly moderated if you told the truth. If they had to dig it out of us or one of us was lying, it was always the punishment was a little heavier. You got the belt. For what, no, for what you did or for mm-hmm. and for the lie. It was like a compounding effect. But if we told the truth, but that was always what my parents say, just tell me the truth. What, what was it? What, what, what was it that was over and over again for you? Rob, what was it for you? Over and over. Like you heard over and over again. I, I don't even know why to this day, but it just sticks in my head. My dad used to say, no matter where you go, there you are. I okay. have no idea what that means. I, if you're lost, you're somewhere. I That's guess. a quote from Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, I thought that was Austin Powers. <laughs> hey, there you are. Do I know you? No, but there you are. Go, Adam, how about yourself? My mom, I mean, again, she'd always tell me to try us, but my mom is like the, the most loving, caring person. She would always say, um, I don't care who it is. It could be the CEO or the janitor. You have to treat them the same. Like, you have to treat people the same way. You have to do this. You have to treat people right. Treat people right. Treat people that you want to be treated. The golden rule. Treat people right. Treat people right. And that served me well. Okay, so here's, here's a question for you. I, I want to flip it on you. You ready? Some of you already know where I'm going with this. What if, Adam, your mom said, Adam, if you're gay, it's okay. What if your mom said, Adam, if you like boys, it's okay. <laughs> What if you actually? I want you to think about Adam. If you're gay, just tell me. Yeah. Well. I what if she told you that a thousand times, over and over and over again? Now you may say, yeah. "I would still be straight because I love women," right? Yeah. But let me tell you something. That's a thousand times that thought is in your head as a six-year-old, eight-year-old, ten-year-old. Okay? Affirmation. If your mom and dad told you, Tom, if you like boys, you can tell me, son. Like, can you imagine even that phrase? Like preemptively, before you even said anything? Preemptively, even the kid given a sign, like they're saying anything. Like, here's a question. What is the advantage of a kid reading this book? What is the advantage of a kid reading this book? That's what I want to know. What is the advantage? If somebody is in a climate like this of where we are today, you think people feel uncomfortable being gay today versus what it was 30 years ago? No. Like, so, so this is the part where you get a Bill Maher that comes out saying, why are you trying to you know, increase this. Why? So there's a video. I'm going to send it to you, uh, 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 Rob, if you can share this, where a child exposes uh, his mom. Okay, it's a very, I don't know if you guys have seen this video or not, where there are parents now where they're proud to have this and talk about this and say, look, my kids are gay. It's a bragging right. I, I, if the, the Asian father says, you know, my son said, did we play this clip before or no? I want to show this to you as well. Rob, if you can see this clip I just sent to you, look how the kid is like, 
and a mom gets a little bit upset, just look at this reaction. I think this is the same video. Uh, uh, uh. Volume. Yeah, let's see if this is the one or not. Watch this. People that aren't like serial killers like Ted Bundy. Does your mom say you have to be LGBT? Um, no. no. I think she's what I want to be, but some. T- but. Go ahead, Lex. Go ahead. Keep talking. Say what you're saying. Um, my mom doesn't matter if I'm up if I am gay or lesbian or any of that. She doesn't care. All she cares about is that I'm a part of it. And if I'm not a part of it, she'll try to convince me to uh, um, get, join it. Because I... What? Are you saying right now? Facts. That I would convince you to join what? The LGBTQIA plus community. That's huh. crazy. You saw the mom's reaction? A kid is not going to say something like that just because he thinks about that. Even a kid is sitting there saying, dude, my mom just wants to be part of this organization. Right? Th- there's a problem here. There's this, there's this parent. I don't know if you've seen this one. Uh, uh, um, let me let me see this one if I can find. You have to see this one. Uh, it's it's. It, I'll I'll find a clip to show it to you. But you see a book like this, you see what happens. It gives credibility to parents. Tom, what are your thoughts when you see something like this? Look, the price of free speech is free speech. That's my first thought. And my second second thought is each organization, each group is going to publish books that it wants to read. And LGBTQ, they're going to publish books they want to read and books for their kids. And that's that's the long and short of it. Um, I feel, you know, like Does that, it make you like, feel uncomfortable? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, it does. You see even kid, right now, no, but even the right in the video, it kind of exposes the feeling. His mom is telling him one thing, but he's feeling a different thing. And there's some conflict in that kid. But but just thinking about even giving your thoughts on it, do you feel uncomfortable? Well, yeah, because you know nowadays, um, you know, I I am the unprotected enemy, a you know white male, Canadian descent though may I be, you know, I'm, you know, if I say anything too much, I will catch the most heat. So I never moderate or lie about my positions, but I'm very careful about expressing them. I'll just say one thing, the, you know. Um, a, you know, to use the alphabet analogy, there's nothing wrong with being gay. And let, before we go down this rabbit hole of like, these guys are anti-gay, it's, if that's who you are as an adult, God bless you. We have gay friends, lesbian friends, all good. Like, I'm very vocal. I go out in South Beach. I know all, they're all out there. The like, Roberts decision says you can marry. Do what you got to do. But I think the, the resounding uh, effort from, from at least our narrative is like, leave the goddamn kids alone with this kind of stuff. Specifically, the fact that Rob pointed out that this book is aimed at third grade and under. So what is that? Eight years and under? So what are you talking? Five, six, seven, eight-year-olds? Why is sex and, and gender and identity and all this even a thing at this age? Now, we can have the argument or conversation of, well, when do you start teaching these kind of things? Is it is it middle school? Is it high school? Is it... Do the kids talk amongst themselves? Should it be a class? Should it be books? Should it be the free market? But I think we're all in agreement that kindergartners should not be figuring it out if they're bi or not. That's not a thing that they should be uh, developing at that age. Like, for instance, when I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be a dinosaur. Okay? So if someone was like, it's okay to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's who you are on the inside. It's like, okay, at, at what point is... Does it go to, all right, I want to be Peter Pan. I want to be a cowboy in Indian. I want to be an athlete. I want to be a princess. When does reality and fantasy 
kind of take over, especially when you're a kid, because you have wild imaginations. And I think it's just, just leave the kids alone. Uh, play this clip. Play. This is the problem, though. This is the problem right here. Play this clip. Uh, and I are here today because we have a trans trans child. Ash was six years old. At three, she was not sleeping very well. She was waking up every single night. It was a lot more than just a toddler waking up. And one day I picked her up from daycare. All the teachers had said, Asher told us that she's a she. And Asher comes around the corner and I said, hey, there's my beautiful daughter. What? A few sleepless nights, a random declaration. You can pause it. Matt does a great job talking about this stuff. Uh, Your son... Did you hear, like, this guy sounds like an educated guy. Three years old. What are you talking about, bro? And, and, and he's getting the mic. The mic. He's getting, you know what, you know what is a form of giving the mic to speak at an event? That is a recognition. If somebody gives you their audience, their mic, that is a form of a recognition. I recognize you that you have a credible message to give. Come give your message. We're giving the mic to that message. That father can believe that. But if he's doing that because he wants to be invited to certain parties or he wants to be accepted by a certain community or he wants to be known as a sensible, you know, whatever, whatever, well, then you're using your kid as a prop. Like, you know how uh, 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 <laughs> the joke about uncles are like, hey, let me, let me borrow your two-year-old kid, man, to go to the mall. And it's like, you take the kid and like, hey, mm-hmm. oh, you have such a beautiful, oh, thank you. Oh, so what's your name? I say, oh, my God. You use it as I a do that with too. puppies. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. do it with cats, <laughs> though. We do it with cats. So, 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 but you know, it's kind of like a yeah. prop that you use. You're using your kid as a prop for something like this? Give it a mm-hmm. break. You know, it, 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 who's going, to, uh, who's trending right now on Twitter? Drew Barrymore. You know why mm-hmm. she's trending right now on Twitter? Because of this TikTok guy, Dylan uh, Mulvaney. I don't know if you've seen what happened with this Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, where a bunch of people are posting this, you know, sharing how, you know, uh, uh, her story of uh, trans and all this stuff. And then eventually Drew Barrymore apparently get on, gets on her knees. I don't know if you've seen this or not. That's the no, picture that's going it? viral. Uh, 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 right there. That's the knee picture. So she gets on her knees. That's a guy. That, that, that's that, a that, guy in the dress? That, yeah, okay. yeah, Drew's definitely not a guy. But the guy that, that's a guy. That is like, and why is she on her knees? What's going it's on? It's like, exactly? man, thank you so much for being so brave and doing this. This is what we're highlighting. This is what's being yeah. turned into heroes. Okay, that is the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 and, and and by the way, the same exact when I watched Tom being uncomfortable with this. You know what the average parent is thinking about right now? Here's what the average parent's thinking about right now. Tom and I were talking yesterday. We're talking about a couple big deals that we're doing, and we're in my room upstairs, and I'm getting Tom's counsel, like I always do. I'm always asking Tom, hey, Tom, what do you think about this, Tom? What do you think about them? We're processing issues together. And one of the deals that we're going through, Tom says, I worry if we're going to be able to close that deal. I said, why is that? And if it happens, you'll hear about it. It's very big. If it doesn't happen, you'll never hear about it. Maybe I'll write about it in a book five years from now, ten years from now, but you're not going to hear about it anytime soon. And he says, I worry if that deal's going to close. I said, tell me why. He says, because of the opinions and the stuff we talk about, I worry if that community will accept the voice and what we talk about on the podcast. 
You, you know what that is? You, you, that fear shouldn't exist. When you have kids, like, here's the part with me as a parent. So I'll go to schools, okay, and I'll go to the school and I, I'll see some of the parents. And you'll talk to some of the parents or you'll see some of the teachers and some of them will fully, you'll know if they're with you. And they'll say, oh, my God, hey, what's up, Patrick, how you doing? Oh, my God, da 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 it's so great, the last podcast, this, I loved it. And then you'll also see some of them that are kind of like, I know who you are. I can't stand what you stand for. Totally cool. But now watch this. As this gets bigger, what's going to happen to their last name? It's not like their last name is Aguilar or Jones or Jackson, where there's a billion, you know, not a billion, but there's a lot of Aguilars, Jones, and Jacksons out there, right? The last name is what? Bed David. How many Sosnicks are there? How many Ellsworths have you met in your life? Okay? okay. But the point I'm trying to make to you is that fear shouldn't be there. As a kid, when I lived in Iran and people would ask me about my religion and my parents would say, don't say it, never liked it. Like, my parents are Christians. We're Christians. I never liked the fear where you can't talk about it because you're going to be judged. You know, yesterday I posted a job post, and we're hiring right now aggressively. We've got 18 job openings, and I posted a video. If you can go to the video I posted yesterday, one of the guys comments, and he says something. And uh, uh, we got hundreds of applications being submitted last night. This guy says something. I hope the comment comes all the way at the top so I can read this comment because this, this is kind of where we need to go where keep going, keep going, keep going. It's a video right there. Go to the comment. Click on it, and let's go to the comment section. Go a little lower. Go a little, okay, right there. Fantastic. It's there. Zoom in, he says, Patrick, so I'm asking for somebody to be our managing director of our consulting firm, right, Bedevi Consulting. And I said, to be able to be the managing director of Bedevi Consulting, this is a multi, multi six-figure job that's going to pay very well to whoever it's going to be, okay, uh, with the potential of making seven figures within a three- to a five-year period. It's a high-paying job. This guy says, Patrick, I don't like your criteria, when you started PHP, you weren't an ex-McKinsey consultant, but you still had the chops to do the job well, and you did it. There's talented folks out there who don't care about your prestige. You're overlooking by bias for MD, okay? This is not an easy job for an average guy off the streets to come and do. And by the way, when I was starting PHP, I was a 30-year-old running a multimillion-dollar-year business in my 20s. I wasn't just a guy off the street. Look at my response what I said to him on the bottom. I said, my criterias were never intended to be liked. It's not for everyone. All the best. Yeah. You know what I like his response? Fair. I respect it. Good luck with the search. I actually like his, the way he handled it as well. Yeah. I, 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 my goal with, with this podcast and where we're going and what the climate is, is for us to be able to say, this Dylan Mulvaney guy, this is weird stuff what you're doing. This is a weird book. It's weird. You can sell it. It's capitalism. But it's weird. It's weird for parents to feel a little scared that, God forbid, if a parent has a position, a university that his daughter or son wants to go into may say no because we found this clip of you saying this. That should not be the case. That is the only part about this right now with parents where they're afraid to talk about how they feel about certain situations. Where you go into a school in orientation, the first person you hear in orientation is, uh, I am part of the LGBTQ community. I see myself as a they, them, or whatever, and I'm this, 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 that. And at our school, we do this, 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 that. Yeah, that's kind of weird to do that. If the population is a small population, and that's who you're trying to market to. Um, but anyways, you know, you see some of this stuff happening. Little awkward, little weird.
I wanted to kind of share this book. When I saw it, I thought other people would probably r- relate to the concerns some parents are going through. You know, you know how they say back in the day when it comes to TV and media that you got to win the central time zone. You ever heard that before? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not about the LAs of the world, or the New York cities of the world, but like win the central time zone, win Iowa, right? Win Michigan, win Ohio. And that's where your audience is. And I feel like there's a, there's a metaphor here to what's going on here. You know, what should be mainstream in America and shouldn't be contentious or a bad thing to say is just, just normal, traditional family values, father, mother, kids, happy families. That should be normal. And, the problem to all the 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 the, the allies, to, to use the word A over there, uh, is that you're trying to basically make this type of stuff mainstream. And you can make that argument about why this shouldn't be mainstream, but also respect the fact that you can be who you want to be, but stop indoctrinating kids. And that's what I think oh, essentially your I, biggest I, argument I, I is. I have, I, bro... Again, (laughs) one day this stuff is going to come out that when I, I mean, it's going to come out what some places I partied at and what I did. I'm I'm not sitting here telling you I walk on water. I'm not sitting here. If people partied with me and they ask what was Pat like to party with, some of the stories you're not going to believe to say Pat really did that with. Yes, I've had a lot of fun, you know, prior to choosing to change my life. I did a lot of stuff in partying. In, in, in the military, in Tennessee, in Kentucky, in Vegas, all over the place. I had a lot of fun. I've always loved women, and I've had a great time with it, but I've always gotten along with anybody, straight, gay, whatever. I had nicknames, the Greek God, because I, every time I told them I'm a Syrian, they said, you're Sicilian. I said, forget about it. I am Sicilian. <laughs> I am Greek. I can't explain to you what a Syrian is because it was so, oh, you're Syrian. No, a Syrian. That four-minute of explanation what a Syrian is, I got tired of it. Yeah. I, well, you I, know what? I am Sicilian. You're right. I got the nose. I got the ears. I got the look. <laughs> I'm Sicilian. Let's just finalize. Right there near the bottom of the boot. <laughs> so this is not about judgment. This is yeah. about leave the kids alone, man. Let the kids figure out for themselves. I had no idea what I was going to do till many, many years later on in life while I had a brain to really think and that didn't happen till many years later this kid if I if you would have judged me on what I'm going to do in my life in high school I had a 1.8 GPA I was a lost cause but it took me a minute to figure myself out at 25 if a person wants to do that later on in life let them do it don't put these things in their mind early mm-hmm. you confuse the hell out of a kid when you do that I got a couple clips I sent to you did you guys see what Trump said about DeSantis in Florida yesterday okay Rob if you can play that clip I want to get your reaction on this, uh, this video here. Go ahead. For those of you that didn't notice, Florida was doing great long before Ron DeSantis got there. <laughs> People are fleeing from New York to Florida and other places because of high taxes and out-of-control crime. It's really bad. Not because of the governor. Thank you, Mr. President, for doing that. But it's not because of the governor. Florida was doing fantastically. You had a governor named Rick Scott who did a very good job. Even Charlie Crist, a Democrat, did a good job, and he had very good numbers. Sunshine and ocean are very alluring. It's not too hard to work with those factors. So just remember, Florida was doing really well long before Ron DeSantis got there. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to go to you. I'm going to go to you first, Tom. It's, 
you know, at, at a time where we need leadership to rise up versus the leadership we have in Washington, uh, I'm this. I've said it before. This is going to be a street fight, and this is a guy that understands media, that understands his base, and this is going to be a street fight. And this is just the beginning. That's that's what I think. Yeah, I, but- I've expected this. Adam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Tom's right. This this, this is expected. Look, uh, Trump is who Trump is. He's not changing at this point. There's still people out there that think, well, you know, this time around it's going to be different. And Trump, keep doing what you do. And don't change. Keep with the nicknames. Keep with the name calling. It worked for you in 2016. It may work for you again in 2024. But watching that, I can only tell you what I felt. It is cringy and it is is childish. Just the name calling. Now, as someone born and raised in Miami, I get it. The the cat's out the bag. Florida's amazing. But to say that uh, Ron DeSantis had nothing to do with how well Florida is doing currently and during COVID would be just disingenuous and inaccurate. DeSantis rose to the occasion, and like him or not, he kept, quote-unquote, Florida free. And it's it's one of those situations where, yeah, Florida was doing just fine for years, and, uh, you know, uh, no tax, no income tax state, and sunshine and weather, and but we do have issues here. We've had hurricanes. We have immigration issues. We've got all sorts of you know, environmental issues that happen uh, from time to time. But it's it's one of those things where is what he did in 2016 going to work again in 2024? And I've been very clear, I don't think it's going to work this time around. Yeah, so, so go ahead, Tom. You can say Florida was doing well before, but to DeSantis' credit, he was the guy in the chair when there was some crisis, and he managed them very, very well. And I set COVID aside on the political side, and I just take a look how he re- reacted to the hurricane on the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he did a, an amazing job. He pushed people hard. He got that bridge to the island rebuilt. I mean, there's a lot of things. It was just pure leadership mm-hmm. of the crisis team. And he deserves credit for that. Let me say just one more thing. You know, the, the, the whole Trump derangement syndrome, it's a real thing. I know people that, I mean... They would not vote for Trump if I'm like, uh, who would you vote for, uh, Stalin or Trump? They're like, oh, sign me up for Joseph Stalin. They're not going to pick him. Um, and I, I swear, I promise you, on my life, I'm trying to give Trump a chance, genuinely, because we all know that I haven't been a Trump fan. I'm genuinely, genuinely, let me just keep an open mind. Let me see if Trump can win me over. And I think the world has changed so dramatically pre-COVID to post-COVID. And Tom's absolutely right. We're in desperate need of leadership, of a grown-up in the White House. And I've said my number one goal in America right now is to get to a president who can get to a 60% approval rating. This race to somehow scrape out 50% is a race to nowhere. And if if it's DeSantis, if it's Nikki Haley, if it's freaking Gavin Newsom, not a fan. Whoever can get us there is who I'm leaning towards. And I think as of right now, if you look at the top five people in the polls right now, Trump, Biden's still up there, Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis gives America 
the best chance for some less divisiveness. So this is all I think. I'm going to come from a place of strategy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come from any other place but just a place of strategy. Uh, 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 Joe Rogan said the other day, if he has to choose between Trump and Biden, it's Trump. It's not even a question. Okay, so that's out there. You can go watch the clip, Mm -hmm. and people lost their minds when he was saying that. He's not choosing Biden over Trump. Okay, that position has changed with him over the last Mm -hmm. however many years. Is that the one? Okay, yeah, play play that one so the audience can see it. Uh, Yeah, play that one. Just from the, there you go. Do you have the audio? Go for it. Press play. And I go, I would vote for Trump before I'd vote for Biden. Just because I think with Biden, like, he's no, he's, he's gone. Like, you know, he's gone. It's, you're going to be relying on his cabinet. And I knew his cabinet would be this fucking sideshow of diversity, and which is exactly what it is. I mean, that, that one person who stole all the women's clothes, I, uh, that Sam Brinton, we, we highlighted on the podcast you can pause yesterday. It right here. Like, I mean, yeah. okay, so... And by, so, just real quick note, that's someone who would vocally, loudly vote for Bernie Sanders in 2016. And he is, and I think he voted yeah. for Joe Jorgensen in did, 2020, which is absurd. The GOAT, yes. Yeah, so. But now he's back on the Trump train. Not yeah. on the train, but he's willing to oh, go there. Oh, 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 no, no, he's not on the uh, no, Trump like train. Willing to, At, yeah. No, not on the train, you know yeah. what I mean? He's Anything willing to vote for but Biden is what he's saying, yeah. right? Which is, okay. given which is fun. But, but, let, me, but let, let, me, let me go back to what, what mm-hmm. Trump is saying. So, okay. All strategy. I ever think about, I got, I got my sales leaders, okay? And if you've ever been to one of our sales leadership meetings, it's, or one, we have a meeting called the Directors and Up Meeting or President's Club. You have to find a way to get in there. If you're in there, it's a spectacle. Let me put it to you this way. Anytime we had our investors or somebody that wanted to look at purchasing the company or we're talking about raising capital, that was a meeting they were not allowed to go into. Because if they went into that meeting, they're like, what the hell is going You've been to one of those meetings oh, before. You've been to a couple of them. Insane. It's amazing. They're insane. It's competitive. Shout it's out call to Ricky out. It's, it's, it's insanity. It's, it's, it's like it's WWE, yeah. UFC, minus any of the fights, but it's raw. It's I, awesome. I wouldn't even say minus any of the fights because it get pretty <laughs> heated in there. I'm trying to keep it PG-13. It's WWE here. meets insurance. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you got people it, strutting down the it, aisle. Rick like Flair coming through the WWE meets insurance. It's epic, right? It's epic. And as someone who's been in the insurance industry for 17 years, it's my. You ever seen anything like that before? Never in my okay. life. Okay, it's epic. It's competitive. Yeah. It's awesome. It's right yeah. now, here's the thing. If if and I'll sit there and I'll watch the callouts. This person mm-hmm. calls the other person out. That person calls this person out. It's call out, call out, call out, call out, call out. Yeah. And then I'll sit there and I say. Yeah, that was not a good call out. Like, what angle did you take strategically? What did you just take with that angle? You went personal. Okay, that guy is going to destroy you with what you just did. Or this person, I'm like, that call out was weak. Your team, you looked weak in front of your team. The worst type of call outs are when you seem weak in front of your team. For example, mm-hmm. a call out is you'll say, well, let me tell you something. You guys may be beating us on the leader's bulletin, but at least we love each other and we're united. You guys are not united. That is a weak-ass call-out, okay? Because you don't want to compete, and your way of hiding it is what? Be mommy and your people that you're working with, right? Here's another one. Unmeasurable. When, yeah, when you do a call-out and your team's like, oh, my God, my leader's an asshole. Dude, what was that all about? You, you, you acted like an asshole, bro. You had an asshole moment. That's also not a good call-out. A call-out is to say, let me tell you, we fell because of me. I screwed up. At the end of the day, it's on me as the leader. But I'm going to tell you, I know what guys we got, and I know our guys are killers, competitors. The next 90 days, good luck working 
outworking us, outstrategy. Good luck. We're going to compete like never before, and we're going to have one of the best stories of redemption. We're going to beat you, and you're going to have to eat your words for what you just said because our guy's going to rise up. That's a call-out where somebody's going to say, I freaking, you know what, let's go kick those guys' ass, right? This is a bitter call-out. You sound bitter. There's no strategy behind this to save Florida. All he has to do is to say 34,000 when you help me, and I gave you a shout-out in the book that your two tweets and the endorsement helped me. Yes, you're right. But I took it from 34 to 1.5 million votes, not you. That's what I did, right? And nobody can dispute that. I won Miami-Dade. Nobody can dispute that argument there. Here's the other part. You know, uh, uh, with uh, Trump and DeSantis, if you read The Art of War, Sun Tzu, and you read any of the war books, it's very, there's like five of them, must read, you have to read. If you're a businessman, if you're a businesswoman, if you're somebody that's in a competitive environment, you have to read these books. Because if you're not, they're reading it, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned this the hard way. I'm like, okay, no problem. You know, for two years, I had the same audiobook playing in my car on repeat the same exact book every single day for two years. People would get in my car, and my audio was that same. Like, this is all you listen to. I said, this is all I'm listening what to. What was the book? Uh, uh, it's, okay. it's a very good book. And I read it over and over and over again, two years straight, in my car, on repeat, because I understood it was war. And I saw what my enemy was doing. I said, I'm not going to forget what you did for the rest of my life. This is no longer about money. Good luck seeing what you just gave birth to somebody you're going to face for the rest of your life. It was officially personal. It was going to get fun. Let's go play ball. At first, it was just about dad retiring. At first, it was just about having dreams become a reality. You officially pissed me off. It's war now. Let's go play ball. And I'm going to have so much fun doing it for 50 freaking years. That was my mindset. When this, I'll never forget this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Fully committed to war to this one handful of guys that in the marketplace that were going up saying certain things. What DeSantis is doing right right now, the book Art of War, you know, if your enemy is screwing up, get out of his way. And that's exactly what DeSantis is doing. He's not even getting in Trump's way. It's like, let him keep saying stuff. Let him keep saying this stuff. His own camp was going to turn against him. His own camp's going to turn against him. Mm-hmm. Because what Trump forgot, what Trump forgot to do is what helped him win is he talked policies. He talked about make America great again. He talked about the wall. He talked about issues that resonated with people. He talked about that. You can easily say Florida's done a great job with endorsement because our policies that I would have used myself, that dissent, you can say that, and the American people will say, I agree with that. DeSantis used a lot of Trump's policies. Let's just say if the voter's going to say that's, but when you do something like this, it's showing you're bitter, it's showing insecurity, it's showing you fear somebody that's below you, you're competing with, you got to compete up. He's competing down. DeSantis, as of right now with the polls, is below you. He's not above you. So it's a different strategy on the way you compete when he was coming up as an underdog. The way you compete as an underdog can never be the way you compete as a favorite. I don't know if that makes sense or not. You cannot take the same strategy as an underdog to compete as a favorite. That's not going to work as a favorite. So, And right now, in what's the CPAC poll was what? Yeah, 60, 60 to 20. To 20 yeah, it's like not that. even close. So... And yeah. some people say, who cares about CPAC? All I'm telling you is there's a different strategy to compete as an underdog versus a favorite. 
I don't necessarily know if this is an effective strategy he's using. Again, we may be wrong. I may be wrong, but I just don't think it's effective. Can I ask you one very specific question? Because to me, it wasn't the calling out the Florida thing. and That's all fair game. My specific thing is the, the, the name calling. We all remember 2016. It was uh, little, you know, uh, little Marco Rubio or Sleepy Low Energy Joe. Jet, or that was 2020 Sleepy Joe or Crooked Hillary, or you know, everyone had a little nickname, and it was funny, it was weird, it was quirky, all all that and above, right? Wacky Bernie, all that. The the, the fact that he doesn't even call him Ron DeSantis, and it's just Ron DeSancta, uh, Ron DeSancta, Ron does meatball Ron. Is Tom for you as a you know I, I would classify you as just like a level-headed normal just good father family man does the name calling do anything for you is it a turnoff you don't like this is something you don't practice in real life how do you deal with it when the president is doing this it, it does zero for me and i have seen moments where i thought trump played so beautifully the debate with Hillary, Hillary was being very sarcastic and then made a comment. And remember, he turned his back on her. And actually, she walked behind him. He didn't turn his back on her. He was not disrespectful. But as she rotated the stage, he turned around and pointed at her. And rather than call name, he said, because you'd be in jail. Mm -hmm. And and basically pulled the rug right out from under her thing. And that was all what America was thinking. We were all at home going, there you go. You're going to play the sarcasm game, and you're going to do that in a debate, Hillary. You just had an adult turn around and, and kind of call you out on that. That I appreciate I because in the public square, in politics, you have to be prepared to debate, to set your tone, and you need to have your, your comeback. But just sitting there sounding bitter and calling a name doesn't do anything for yeah, me. It doesn't get <clears throat> me. It doesn't pull me in your direction yeah. to what you what I knew mm -hmm. you stood for. Yeah, listen, you, we can uh, uh, act very, uh, what's the word, uh, noble and, and say, oh, my God, these, you know, dude, they've been calling this guy a Russian spy. They've called him a racist, a bigot, a misogynist. Give me one label this guy hasn't gotten the last seven years. Think about every single day they've gone after this guy. So, so don't get it twisted. I don't like what he said about the comments on Florida and the fact that he didn't do anything. When you go give credit to Charlie, what, what are you like? What are you doing? Like he's giving credit to what Charlie you, Chris. What are you is the like? Big flip floppers again. Out of anybody you give credit to, to give it to Charlie. Like to me, it's purely that. I, when he says Ron DeSancta, whatever the sanctimonious. Meatball, that, that's his game plan. It's totally fine because the whole thing is if your opponent gets irritated by a comment, keep irritating him, right? That's what he's doing. He's very good at it. He finds a way to irritate you, and he'll keep doing it. And if you show you're not irritated, then eventually he has to go to a different nickname or whatever. My concern isn't the name Colin. My concern is you can't question someone's resume. That's a real resume. It's the same way when clowns say, Trump's not a real billionaire. Oh, okay, you are, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You were able to go into those, you know, heavy-duty, you know, d d rooms in New York and negotiate with all these other guys in Manhattan to buy air. Yeah, you're, you're definitely a better b businessman than Trump was. Yeah, yeah, you, you're the one that carried a show on NBC for 15 years called, what was the show's name? Called the Apprentice. Uh, Apprentice, one of the greatest, and then Shark Tank tried to duplicate that model and the kind of eyeballs they got. Arnold tried to do it for a season. It flopped so bad it was embarrassing. Yeah. Some would say that kind of finished up his career because you can't carry a show like that for 15 years. No, you can't be Trump. 
Mm-hmm. Trump is not duplicatable. He is very good at what he does. You can't question someone's resume if it's got true credibility behind it. You make yourself look like a fool. And here, he's trying to question DeSantis's resume. What, what, who did it better? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if anybody did it better. He did it better. DeSantis. So, yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. even a question on, on who did it better. He did it better. And, he, you know, this is a chance to come from a place of I'm glad he used my policies. I'm glad he implemented some of the things that we were doing. And I'm glad he had the success that he had because he followed our lead versus showing signs of I, 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 uh, uh, I don't see. Uh, and by the way, in any business book or strategy book, I don't see everything he's done up until this point, like in 2016 when he won, everything was like brilliant, interesting. Wow, crazy, risky. Look at this guy. Look at boom, he's president. Holy shit, he pulled it off. And beating who? The person that's supposed to be a president since she was 10 years old, 12 years old. She was supposed to be the first female. You beat that heavyweight mm-hmm. whose husband is a president? Damn. Okay, cool. This guy knows what he's doing. But the biggest feedback is you, your strategy as an underdog will not work as a favorite. It's just not. When Michael was coming up, when he wanted to beat the Lakers for the first time to get the first ring, and he was talking a lot of shit, yeah, that's a different game. When you're coming back and you lose to the Orlando Magic because of Nick Anderson, whatever, he passes away from Scottie Pippen and everybody's like he's lost it. When Michael was playing with the number 45, mm-hmm. do you remember that? Yeah, of course. When you're Michael coming back after a three-peat, everybody's coming for your throat. When you're Michael being beat by Detroit Pistons and they're bullying you, you're going for everyone's throat. Mm-hmm. You have a statement to make. Everybody else has a statement to make. I, I, I don't see the position here.